this is episode 304 for May 2014. Alright, time to do Spider Satellites, George. We've done the math, we've carried the two. <laughs> we've got seven issues we're reviewing. Yes. And you're starting with the best book of the month, in my opinion. I am. I'm starting with the best book of the month, and it is Superior Marvel Team-Up number 12. It is also the last issue of Superior Marvel Team-Up. Superior Spider-Man Team-Up. Superior, what did I say, Superior Marvel? What did I say? It's a a wonder I didn't say Superior Marvel Ultimate Team-Up versus Ultimate Comics Ultimate Marvel (laughs) Team-Up. Versus it's all Ultimate good. Avengers versus Avengers <laughs> Avengers. It's, a, it's an odd title, but there's good stuff in between. Yeah. Anyway, um, this is the uh, second part of a two-parter that wraps up this title. Uh, you have Otto beating Norman like a redheaded stepchild yep. after he injected Otto's uh, ex-fiance with uh, that deadly virus, which they never say what it is. But in Ultimate Spider-Man number three. Or not Ultimate Spider-Man number three, but uh, Spider-Man. God, what was that quarterly book in the nineties? Uh, Spider-Man Unlimited Thank number you. three, written by Tom DeFalco. What, didn't they say she had AIDS? I don't. It's God, man. It's been twenty didn't years. Everyone had AIDS <laughs> back then. AIDS, 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 AIDS. Um. Okay. Anyway, I thought it was AIDS. <laughs> anyway, so he injected her with something. Um. Otto, he does. He beats Norman like a redhead stepchild. I mean, he's just. He's hammering at Norman's chest on the scar in his chest because he wants to – he's just like, I want to crush his heart. you know. And Otto's like, right. I want to hurt him the way he just hurt me because I'm going to have to live with this forever. This will always hurt me. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, his ex-fiance comes uh, – she, she wakes up for, uh, for a few moments and sees him and, and is like you – know, she's very weak, and she's like, oh, Otto, what are you doing here? And then he looks back down, and Norman's gone. Uh, then it, you know, it talks about how he devotes all his time to trying to find a way to save her life. I like these moments. I always like the moments mm-hmm. where Doctor Octopus something appeals to the to the physician in him, right? Something appeals to the doctor in him that actually wants to help people. You know, you saw it once in the Fantastic Four when Sue was pregnant. And yep. you see it here again too. You know, he's trying to save his fiance, but there is a switch that flips in him, where he goes from maniacal supervillain to caregiver. Right. Do no evil. To, yeah. Do no, do no harm. I yeah. have to find a way to help somebody. Yeah. And I like those moments. It humanizes him, and I like a good. I, I like a villain who's just not two. It adds a layer. It makes him more. You know, yep. more than two dimensional. Right. So I like that. Um. He tries to save her life. Mary Alice is her name. He tries to save Mary Alice, but ultimately he fails. Um, you get that really sad panel where he's standing in front of her um, her grave. Right. You've got her ghost kind of sitting with the tombstone. You know, it's God, it's morose. <laughs> um, but so after she's dead, Otto goes back into "I must kill Norman" mode. Goes back to Europe, back to Norman's castle hideout or whatever the hell that was. It's like a 60s villain Batman hideout. <laughs> he goes back there uh, trying to find him. Tears the place apart. No, you know, Norman's got machine guns coming out of the wall at every turn trying to kill him. He, you know, he, he threatens to kill Norman's uh, manservant or butler or whatever, you know. <laughs> 
What what's the uh, the guy from Spider Man three that uh, talked to Harry at the end of it? Yeah, that's who I thought it was. The, the butler. <laughs> yeah, what comes was out it? of nowhere? Exactly. And is yeah. and is like you know yeah. this, this important guy for like thirty yeah. seconds, and you're like uh, Jeeves or whatever yeah. his name Thank was. Thank you, yeah. old man, who we haven't heard much from before, who suddenly says something pivotal. Yeah. <laughs> I served your father for a long time, and I hate to see you go down this path. Oh, by the way, he was closet, killed by his own blade. By the yeah. way, the closet's full of of bombs. No, he didn't tell him where that stuff was, did he? No, I think no. Harry just found it on his own. Anyway, right. Well, to get off on a tangent, um, right. But it turns out Norman's not even there. Not only is he not there, he's like on another continent, and he's mocking and taunting Otto the entire time. No, he's there. Remember the scene where he's peeking out? He told him he wasn't on the continent. Was, was he? Was he actually there? Yeah, yeah. If you look on the next page, he's peeking out from. Uh, he watches Osborne. I mean, oh, I uh, didn't notice that part. I, I remember Otto shaking his fist into like a security camera or something. Right, right, right. And, and swearing that he was he was going to be the one to kill Peter and he'd do it with science, which, as it turns out, you know, he actually <laughs> had to wind up doing. Um, but I like it, you know, because I'm a history major. I mean, that's what I went to college for. So. I appreciate the history repeating itself theme as they juxtapose as writer Kevin Shinnick uh, and artist Ron Friends and Sal Basima, uh and eventually Marco Ticetto, uh juxtapose the events that just happened with Mary Alice and, and trying to save her and losing her and uh, juxtapose all of that to the end of Superior Spider-Man. And how to finally, to, to this time, to save the woman that he loved, he had to let his enemy win. And I, I thought it was a very poignant end uh, to yep. that two-parter. And it, you know, it, it, explained the, it explains satisfactorily why Norman and, and Oz, why Norman and Otto don't team up. Right. And why they cannot, what, they just can't work together. You know, mm-hmm. Octopus has moments of rage, but ultimately he is a scientist. And he does try to come at things from reason. It may be misguided reason, you know, right. but he actually does try to use what he knows, you know, knowledge, as a weapon. Whereas Osborne is just Osborne is the claw hammer of crime. <laughs> you know, Osborne is everything right. personal, and I will make your family bleed. Right. So yeah, this this uh, gets an A for me. Same here. <laughs> Lots, of, and I like again. I love seeing Ron Friends in South Basema. Yeah, I just, I really love. I wish that you know we could see them in something ongoing. Yeah, like a spectacular Spider-Man book yeah, or something like that. Yeah, but, I love the the one, one of my pros from the book is the very first scene where uh, Ock is hammering on the on the chest of Osborne where he has that scar. It's very brutal. The glider. It's very brutal. Oh man, he's just pounding his heart, man. He's, he's hitting like, it with claws. He's hitting it with his fist. Oh, that was great. When Doctor Octopus hits you with his fist, you know yeah. that you have fucked up. Or, excuse me, I mean to drop the F-bomb. You know that you have F'd up. You know, something bad has happened. If he is right, dude. His fists. Yep. Great, great book. All right, let's see. Uh, we're going to, my turn. We're going to do the, we haven't had a Spider-Man graphic novel uh, for, my God, man, since the early 90s. Isn't that when they stopped making them? Um, I think. Yeah, 
like Parallel Lives. That's got to be like 92 or something like that. They haven't done an original Spider-Man graphic novel. No, that was, in, was, that was, 90, that was later, wasn't it? Maybe it was 89 or something like that. No, Parallel Lives wasn't that. I mean, it's been a long time is what I'm getting at. So uh, the the one I'm going to review is uh, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man Family Business. It's written by Mark Wade J- and James Robinson are both of the authors. Uh, Gabrielle Delato is the art, which is absolutely amazing. The art in this book, I think, is worth the cover price. I, I got it. Uh, I spent about twelve bucks on. It. I had a, a discount from Discount Comic Book Services, but the cover price, if you want to pay cover price, is twenty five dollars. So th- this is a pretty big investment if you're spending. The money on this thing. Uh, let me go a little bit over the uh, the plot of it. It starts with uh, Spider-Man is breaking up a laundry detergent robbery ring of all things. Dirty laundering of money is what they call it. Uh, and he stops. Evidently, these uh, crooks go to these laundry detergents. And if you've if you've purchased laundry detergent for your home, you know how expensive that stuff. It's like printer ink. <laughs> it's expensive to buy laundry detergent. Anyway, these guys are stealing it. Uh, Spider-Man slips off the side of the building when this stuff goes bad. Anyway, it's kind of a fun little open to the book. But uh, when Peter... Uh, so I want to reiterate, the book that costs 25 yeah. bucks... Yes, sir. ...starts off with, with detergent. Laundry. It's a laundry detergent uh, humor kind of gag. It was kind of a funny little opening. Okay. I did, it was one of the best parts, I thought. Now, you haven't read the book yet. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> you will not read the because of Mark Wade, is that why? Uh, yeah, because of Mark Wade, and also yeah. uh, starts off twenty five bucks, yeah. and twenty five dollars. <laughs> okay. I'm out, dog. Okay, so uh, Peter Parker uh, goes back to his apartment, and uh, these uh, secret agent men or whatever they try to abduct him, and they uh, arrest him and, and pull him up to a helicopter, and he escapes and lands in the car of this woman named Teresa, who he says is his long-lost sister. And he was like, say what? He didn't actually say that. Anyway, uh, she she says that uh, he uh, is the long-lost sister, and we have to solve uh, a mystery from our parents, uh, Richard and Mary. And and uh, so basically they hop in a – she's a secret agent or something like that. She isn't from S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know where she's working in the CIA or something like that. So she uh, abducts Peter, and then they go to all around the world basically. They go to Monte Carlo and Cairo, and they fly on jets, etc. And to get down to the basic of it, uh, Richard and Mary have a safe house, Peter's parents – and one of their missions involved coming across a tomb of gold with billions of gold in it, and it's protected by a giant-looking sentinel. And Richard secured the tomb so the bat, uh, no one would uh, steal it, and he secured the tomb you, with his... De- when you say sentinel, you mean like X-Men? No, it's it's like a prototype. We're talking like before the '60s or whatever, okay. before the Sentinels. But it, it it basically is a giant looking robot that looks like a Sentinel, but it's not a Sentinel. So Richard secured the tomb with the uh, his DNA, the Parker DNA. You can only open it if you have Parker DNA, etc. And so uh, Teresa takes Peter to Richard and Mary's handler, who would set them off on missions. And uh, he 
sends him uh, to where the tomb is, and they also he also shows where the safe house is that the uh, Richard and Mary had, and you see pictures of Peter and uh, his mom and dad, etc. And uh, the bad guys, which uh, is Richard Fisk. He uh, evidently died in Superior Spider-Man, and he's uh, faked his death with it. He had a giant fat man in the basement. <laughs> Do you remember that, George? Mm-hmm. Or, he had a giant fat man in the basement, and he faked his death, so he's going somewhere besides New York City. And he enlists Mentello to help him out. So he sends uh, some uh, plane or uh, helicopters, and they blow up the Parker um, safe house. And Peter's clothes get ripped, and Teresa finds out that he's Spider-Man. So, uh, she, they escape from that, the bad guys think they're dead, and uh, Teresa gets him a black suit. A black Spider-Man suit, because, you know, just comics. (laughs) So, um, evidently the Kingpin has gotten uh, the wind that the Parkers have uh, billions hidden in a, 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 this hidden tomb filled with gold and a sentinel protecting it. And uh, Richard Fisk uh, recruited Mentallo to alter Teresa's memory so she could convince Peter to uncover that secret tomb. And this is the mind wipe era, so uh, Fisk doesn't know Peter and Spider-Man are one. So Teresa is not his sister, and a fight ensues, and then um, and Fisk discovers that Peter is Spider-Man, but then Mentallo gets batshit crazy and wipes everybody's memory of the incident, except for the people that uh, paid the $25 to buy the book. So then, <laughs> uh, we're left with a bit of a teaser. That handler that the, the Richard and Mary Parker had, saved some DNA, a a fingerprint from Peter Parker. And evidently he has some kind of machine in the back, and he scanned Peter's memory, and I don't know, scanned Peter's uh, fingerprint. I was about to say. Yeah, exactly. And for some reason, uh, it was very unclear because it was two pages of this teaser. Now, this is what was frustrating to me. I don't know if how he could, by scanning a fingerprint, see this flashback of the Parkers. But, um, but you know, because comics, because comics. So let me read you the uh, the, the the Richard because the most interesting thing is what is in the epilogue. Uh, so we have Richard and uh, Mary at their uh, safe house, and, and Richard says, "What's the matter, Mary? I know uh, when you're worried. I just never know about what. So spill. And I know that look. Peter's on your mind. <laughs> that sounds bad. Uh, <laughs> You're a horrible and, man, Brad Douglas. I know. And and Mary goes, when is he not? I just wonder sometimes that he won't understand some of the choices we've made. And Richard goes, oh, baby. Oh, baby, you you got what I need. No, sorry. Oh, baby, look, we're not going to be in this game forever. We'll be a family again someday, I promise you. The three Parker, Parkerios. We'll be in a necessarily long subplot in the Spider-Man exactly. movie. Exactly. The three Parkerios, he says, and uh, Mary looks at her stomach, and she goes, just three, huh? And Richard looks at her, and she looks at him, and then they hug. And then you cut to the, uh, the, the handler, who just goes, huh, and what do we make of that? And then the book's over. So they're, they're implying that Mary Parker is pregnant. Mm. And... 
and having a possible uh, another kid. So what what happened? Did she when she died? Did the baby die with her? Did she? Did, was the baby put somewhere? Well, we know and, what editorial thinks about babies in the spider universe. So <laughs> it's not good news. So, let me go over the pros and the cons of this $25 book. Pros, the artwork is amazing. Delato, I mean, if you just judge this book strictly on the art, it's an A+. I adore his artwork. It's just amazing. Uh, the money laundering thing was fun. It's a, it's a lighthearted Spider-Man gag, a lot of funny moments there. That's the type of Spider-Man stories I like. <laughs> Another good moment was uh, Peter wanting a sister and how he uh, opines about how his life would be different. Uh, and also just the overall presentation of this book. It's a good-looking book. You've got some nice, uh, when you open up the book, on the left, the very first page, the left side is red and the white side is, and the right side is white, and you have the eyes of Spider-Man, and you have, uh, just some, uh, Delato doodles where it's like a spider web with the eyes in it. It's just a beautiful, Beautiful presentation, and it's it's worthy of being on this uh, larger-than-normal paper. Uh, the cons, very confusing plot, I wrote. And uh, Spider-Man generally works best in New York, but I've, I've never really been a fan of him traveling around the world in other dimensions. I think he works better as a street-level New York character where he's swinging through the city, going through Cairo and going through Monte Carlo. It's just not... A setting I typically like for my stories with Spider-Man. The con of the Parker parents having a cave full of gold Nazi money (laughs) with a a giant sentinel guarding it? Yeah, not so much. Where the hell did that come from? Why do the Parkers have a cave full of gold Nazi money? Why isn't Swarm protecting it instead of a sentinel? He's a gold... He's he's not a gold. He's a Nazi covered in bees. And bees are yellow and gold is yellow, so why couldn't we have that? So anyway, that was just damn confusing. Yeah. So let's do the math on this. Uh, And the art is an A+. The plot is a C-. So... I was in high school. I know this works out to about a B minus. Is that right, George? You think that's about a B minus? That's what you feel, man. A B minus, C plus on this. If you can get this book discounted, I don't, I don't, I don't care how pretty the art is. If the story doesn't make sense, I'm I'm not giving it a B. <laughs> I'll drop that damn thing down, down, yeah, down to a C. Huh? C plus B minus. It's really borderline for me. Um, I I also don't like res. I don't like reset stories, like. Uh, all this thing was reset at the end. Mentallo basically wiped everything out. Like, Fisk isn't going to remember this. He's walking through the desert on a horse with no name. <laughs> you have a scene where he's walking through the desert, and he just is like, I don't know. I, he's forgotten it all. Uh, Spider-Man's forgotten the whole thing. I mean, the 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 reader is left paying $25 and remembers all. Except they feel, anyway. they feel a... Uh, some sort of horrible pressure-like pain from their backside where they got screwed. Yeah. <laughs> but if you like pretty art, <laughs> and, and you like Nazi gold caves with sentinel money in it, um, if you like you, know, if you like great art and a, uh, <laughs> and a turd. Uh, no, um, you know, a little divergent because it seems like Peter Parker's parents seem to be the new focus lately. Uh, the new movie has it. Uh, this book has it. Uh, I do you think, and I've often thought this was a, and I love Stanley. 
Uh, I think it was a misstep to make his parents spies. I really do. Do you, I, I think that takes away from his average everyday guy aspect. I mean, how many people have spies for parents? What do you think of that? I, I just think All that, of the people who have spies as parents? You know, I mean, <laughs> spies are not exactly what we think about when we see James Bond. Mm-hmm. You know, technically, a spy is anybody who works as even a mid-level analyst at the CIA. Well, these the Parkers in this book and in every other story, they're they're equivalent of shielding. Oh, I know they're like sexy spies. They're like sexy, they're sexy spies. They're, they're like sexy James, James Bond spies. Yeah, they're James Bond spies, and it's just that I I don't like that. And and you don't like the Ultimate Universe, but I think uh, Peter Parker's dad being a scientist is a lot better theory than a spy. Well, they're uh, the way the movies do them. I mean, they're they might as you, well be you, spies. Do you, yeah. Do you do you like? I, I like the idea of his dad being a scientist. Lawyer, I like. I, well, well, I think they work best as stuff we don't know jack shit about. <laughs> I think that's how they work best. And I, what science, scientists? What? I think they work oh, best as, just always a mystery, as a, always a mystery, as a cipher that we'll never know about. Okay. Okay. Peter doesn't know much about them. We shouldn't know much about them. I think if Peter was to ever go to Nick Fury and say, tell me about my folks, Nick Fury was like, you know, should be like, look, I, I, I don't know. And I don't know if he's ever done this with Nick Fury before. But if I was Nick, you know, I, I would hope Nick Fury would say, look, your parents were great. Um, can't say can't say anything else. Right. All right, that's my $25 book. Uh, <laughs> what's your next one, George? Mm. So, uh, well, which one do you want me to do next? Uh, how about uh, Superior Foes 11? I was kind of disappointed. Yeah, um, well, they finally correctly attribute the writers and artists in this issue. Well, they got that going. Which was refreshing. Now, yeah. Superior Foes, this is the second issue in a row now, and the production has slowed. On this book, I don't know if you've noticed it or not. It's not. It's not coming out every month anymore. No, we're not going to get. I don't think thirteen until uh, July or something. Has twelve come out? I just, I just got eleven. No, twelve hadn't come out yet. Yeah, but I, the good news is they're not canceling it. Yeah, we found out this week uh, that it's going to keep going. I always said, you know, I mean, if this could be the one. Or after I got into it, you know, I said if this could be the the one legacy we have left over, mm-hmm. you know, of the superior era, that that's good. That's a good legacy to have. But this book is is when it's the actual team, you know, that's supposed to be doing it. When it's Spencer and Lieber, this this thing is just fantabulous. Right. Um, when you've got when you've got you know guest folks doing it, it's that's not as good. And now yeah. Tom Payer. Is a good writer, and Elliot Kalin. I'm not familiar with his work, really. I'm, you know, I don't know. I can't, but I, I know enough about Tom Payer's work to say that I've enjoyed it in the past. Mm-hmm. But you know, they they're still not the normal team. They're, they're they're filling in. They don't understand the characters as well. That's why we don't even get the characters in this book. We don't. Even, no, we got the Grizzly. <laughs> we yeah. don't even get any of the superior foes that we've been following. We get the villain support group, which focuses on the Grizzly, and then the Looter. Right. Um, so we don't, we don't even like, see the Beetle. We don't even see Fred. We don't even see Speed. You know, Speed Demon. We don't even see Shocker. But you're paying an extra dollar for and it. And they're damn sure on the cover. 
<laughs> oh, you're very true. You know, you've met the best. Now meet the rest. Yeah, that makes me want to buy it. So that's too bad. Uh, yeah, and this book is on the border of sales too. I mean, they can't. I, I do you think it would be better just to skip a couple months so the team can catch up? And no, because I think that that would okay. be. I think they're in a rough patch. I think because they, I think that they, they decided that they were going to keep going with it, but they did it late in the game, and that that's why we're having these fill-in issues. Now, I, I think it's worse to to skip whole, you know, to skip months because then people don't remember it. You know, you skip months, people don't see it on the rack. They start to wonder, was this canceled? Maybe they asked a retailer. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're just like, eh, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's too bad. So I, anyway. you have to keep it going, but what they've done is they've interrupted the main story, which was actually going pretty cool. Yeah. You know, so that's two months now, but we've been away from the ongoing story. We still don't know the story of the damn school bus with ninja swords sticking all over it. <laughs> you know, um, when when yeah. when the when the rest of the team finds Fred, we still don't know that story yet. We've been waiting for over two months now for that. Yeah. Anyway, so at the villain support group, you've got the Grizzly and the Looter telling their stories. They're two separate story, uh, stories. They're both terrified of Superior Spider-Man. In fact, every villain, especially the B, C, D, and hell, even some E-listers, I mean, <laughs> you know. Z. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking Dr. Bong here, you know, the guy with the fell head <laughs> from Howard the Duck. Yeah, dude. Uh, you know, so even... You know, those guys are scared shitless now because Spider-Man's killing people. Right. Spider-Man has killed um, – they, they know for sure because he killed a guy on just in public. The the coffee guy or the soda, the guy, soda yeah. guy. Yeah, and then, he, and then you know, uh, well, I, I guess it's not general public knowledge that he killed Smythe. Uh, but, you know, he mm-hmm. did – he killed Smythe. So – you know, so all the villains are freaking out right now. The villains are like, Spider-Man's killing people now. All bets are off. <laughs> you know, this is this is like the worst time. If I'm a villain in New York, I'm going to L.A. I'm getting in a bus and I'm going to Chicago, where they already have a problem with crime. Yeah, dude. Where there is no Spider-Man. <clears throat> so anyway, the Grizzly has has resorted to ambushing drunks. <laughs> that he lures into dark alleys with children. Oh no! Just because he's lonely, he 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 mugs them and goes and gets some food, but then he brings it back to them and shares it with them. Yeah, but he just he's lonely, and he's terrified. And eventually, Otto catches up with him and, and whips his ass. Right, and shames him, and this guy feels like a loser because Spider Man. Not only did Spider Man beat him up, but Spider Man probably you know gave him a Batman beating where he's going to give you a little something extra at the end. <laughs> it's not just enough to beat you. It's you got to learn some things. Yeah, you know. So the more you know, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> so you've got the Grizzly telling his story. Then you got a guy getting up in like a wheelchair and a body cast, and right. you know, and a wrapped up head, you know. And it turns out it's the looter. And the looter we haven't seen in a while. No, the looter's telling his story about how. You know, you, you got to have ambition. He had ambition. You know, there's a there's a scene with him and, and Basilisk, mm-hmm. who used to really I, Basilisk used to pop up and uh, Marvel team up like every other month. That team <laughs> up and uh, two and one. And Looter is a Ditko villain. Yes, Un- 
underrated, uh, I guess underappreciated Deco villain. Not all of them were. Well, he just were, he never caught on. He never did. He, yeah, he never really caught on. They tried to change his name to Meteor Man at one point, but that's more ludicrous. That's Luda. And, Sorry. And Ditko, and here we are back to Ditko. Um, yeah. Ditko. <laughs> Ditko's name in this guy, the looter, goes back to Anne Ryan stuff, which you know Ditko oh, yeah. was a big follower of, or is a big you know believer of, because um, right. she always talks about the looters, you know, of society. The you know, basically it's socialism, people who want to do nothing, or pe- either people in government who are going to take everything away from you the way they are now. Um, <laughs> or the people who do nothing and, and, and don't do anything and do nothing, and the government takes things away from you to give to them. So that's what that that's where the looter comes from. That's where the, at least the name comes from. It's it's very Ayn Randian, and I don't know if Steve if uh, Stanley knew that at the time. He probably would have thrown a fit if he had. <laughs> so he probably didn't. But uh, anyway, the, the looter's talking about – he's like, you know, you got to have ambition. So, you know, I came at this. I was pretty cocksure. Um, I drove state to state whipping, you know, mediocre hero ass. You know, he goes up against some guys. I think one guy's Vaquero. Vaquero is a, is a Mexican a – Spanish for um, uh, cowboy. Yeah, we have a El Vaquero in uh, Joplin, Missouri. Yeah. It's a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. yeah. And and he gets to Missouri, your your yeah. neck of the woods, and he faces he does he faces the plainsman. Yeah, I've I've never heard of the plainsman. Yeah, and I did some searching around, and the plainsman, straight up out of St. Louis, it says. The, yeah, the plainsman is is made up for this book. He has he's not one of these guys that like was like in, in an obscure comic fifty years ago, and they pulled him to the future now. You know, they revamped him just for this thing. You know, you know. There's a couple of characters who have caught on that way. Groot was originally in a pre-Marvel book. Mm-hmm. Um, Tales of Suspense. I uh, think Gorilla Man from um, Agents of Atlas was from a pre-Marvel uh, Atlas book. <clears throat> yeah. So, which is why a lot of us why that team's called Agent of Atlas because you've got a lot of characters that were around before. <laughs> you know, yep. Marvel proper, anyway. Um, so the looter's telling his story, you know, uh, I was riding pretty high, you know, but remember what we learned in, in Spectacular or, or in uh, Superior Spider-Man team-up number – or not number 11, but number 10 where he's like, pride cometh before the fall. Mm-hmm. You know, and eventually – eventually looter does get his ass whooped by Superior Spider-Man who breaks his hand. Yep. And, and a little bit more, you know. So he winds up, you know, and he's sort of a living testament to, you know, hey, this is, you know, <coughs> this is the line of work we chose. But, you know, it's 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 a bad time out there right now for your experiment. So. Um, right. This 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 book, I, it's like it's like these teams forgot this was supposed to be funny. The grizzly thing comes off more pathetic than anything else. Yeah. You know, than funny. It just it's it's not there aren't a lot of funny beats in it. It's kind of sad, right? It's like you know he's even like I busted up the Daily Bugle once. Remember that? And and I'm like, dude, people have nope. blown that up. That's called Thursday, dude. Yeah, you, well, you, went, you went rampaging through the office. What supervillain hadn't done that? <laughs> you know, um, but it's. The artwork I, I like Carmen Carnero uh, Carnero's artwork uh, in the Grizzly story. 
I liked it um, better than I liked the art in the second story. I think the second story art was fine. I just Carmen Carnero and the work that she's done this month and last month is actually pretty good. I actually like her stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But the the book overall is just it's a C. It's a C for me. Um, the this it, the, there aren't as many gags even even last month, which was funny. It was fill in, but it was funny even though I didn't like the pee jokes. Um, but it it was still funny. Right. This month is not not so much with the funny. It's not enough to have the villain support group and you know oh hippo's there. It's a guy that looks like a hippo sitting next to Doctor Bong. You know the guy <laughs> with the bell head. It's not enough for them just to be there. Them being there isn't what brings the funny. Yeah. You know like it's, exactly. it's them talking about Netflix. <laughs> now that's what brings the funny. I mean, I mean I'd rather have the team back than have a book, wouldn't you? Um, I mean, this the, the, just the, a Spider-Man book of of random Z-list villains doesn't work. for Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but at the same yeah. time, if if they want to keep going with it, they've got to put books out. It, if if they want to make it a monthly title, it's got to come out monthly. Yeah, it has to. Um, so I see why they're doing it, but still, these this villain issue was rough. Yeah. All right, uh, my turn. Let's do Ultimate Spider-Man number 200, uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Had a lot of artists in this one. David Marquez, David LaFuente, uh, Sarah Pacelli, Mark Brooks, Mark Bagley, and Andrew Hennessy. Uh, this one basically is uh, the two-year uh, anniversary of the death of Peter Parker, and Aunt May has a gathering at her house, which in front of the uh, the house it says it's for sale. It says the home of Peter Parker, who is a uh, revered figure in the uh, Ultimate Universe for his sacrifices, and it was revealed he was a kid and he was Spider-Man, etc. So, uh, invited to the party, Mary Jane, uh, Gwen Stacy, uh, Bombshell, uh and uh, Miles Morales, and he brings Gonky, his friend. And Gonky uh, has a box, uh, and he's going to give it to Gwen Stacy. And uh, Miles says, uh, what's in the box? What's in the box? It's, is it Legos? Dude, don't give the girl Legos. Girls don't like Legos, etc. So you uh, see Miles walk up to the Parker house. May welcomes in, them in. And Gonky gives Gwen Stacy the box. And she opens it up. And she says, did you make this for me? And, I, and he says, I saw that you're a fan of Legos or whatever. And kisses Gonky right on the lips. A big old fat Gwen Stacy kiss for this kid so good for you so basically you have uh people celebrating the life of peter parker at may's house and the doorbell rings and it's a catering service and tony stark says i can't be there so i brought i'm going to cater the whole thing so that he brings in massive massive amounts of food and uh there's they sit around and they they remember peter and and uh each person uh they talk about what they think Peter would be like if he was still alive, and and Mary Jane uh, envisions him leading the Avengers. And the new, there's a big Mark Bagley two-page spread. He hasn't even been dead all that long, has he? In comic, <laughs> he what? Time. He has not even been dead that long, has he? The two. This is the two-year anniversary. This is where the celebration is. This is the two-year. How old anniversary. was he when he died? Like sixteen. He's got to be uh, maybe 18. He, maybe he got bit when he was 16 or something like that. Anyway, Mary Jane thinks he would be the... 
No, no, this this is what the characters think he would eventually be, eventually become. All right. And Mary Jane thinks he'd be the greatest hero of the Marvel Universe. He think he thinks she thinks he would lead the Avengers. He has a new Mark Bagley looking suit that's kind of cool. Uh, Aunt May uh, thinks he would uh, go the science route and improve the city with his science knowledge. Uh, Gwen thinks he would be uh, go do the reporter angle uh, and stick more of the Daily Bugle and fight f- for injustice that way. Uh, when Bobby Drake was there. He he thinks he get, has a flashback to the time where it was uh, Spider-Man's Amazing Friends with uh, the Human Torch and uh, uh, Iceman and Spider-Man. So they they think they would they would team up, and then you get the Miles who thinks that they would have been really close friends and and uh, buddies, and they don't want to do the sidekick route, but they thought they'd be uh, the best of friends even though they really never met, except for the time where 616 met him. Uh, Kitty Pride shows up. She phases through the door, and uh, she, she was in love with Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe, and they, she envisions that they would have uh, been married. There's a, there's a shot of Peter on his knee proposing, and, and she uh, envisions the love story. Wait a minute. When he died, wasn't he going out with Mary Jane? He went out with three girls, or maybe more. He uh, went out with Gwen and Mary Jane and uh, Kitty Pride. That was his girlfriend's. In the okay, universe. but when he died, who was he going out with? Ah, I can't remember if it was Kitty Pride or uh, Kitty, Mary Jane. Pride. I think it was Kitty Pride. Kitty Pride. So, what? No. No. All right. All right. No. Anyway. Uh, B plus, A minus out of me on this one. Pick one. What are you? Uh, what are you doing? You're floating all over the place. B plus. B plus. We get to a B. Gets an A. I don't know. B. It's a B plus out of me. <laughs> I, the book. The book was. Uh, it, it was an emotional book, especially if you've been reading this this story for two hundred issues. Uh, I I enjoyed it. Uh, cons are, I mean, it was it was all, it was all. Um, Expositional. I mean, it was all character moments. It wasn't. There wasn't much action. There wasn't much fighting. The and because it's glimpse, a tremendous book, everybody's having a big conversation while everybody's eating. Yeah, that that was a lot. Of, the Tony Stark fest. Yeah, <laughs> Something new for Bendis. <laughs> well, they eventually took all the extra food and they donated it to the shelters, etc. And they're of handing it out. Of course, they did. So um, be be out of me. I I liked it. Uh, I'm glad to have Miles. Still around. <clears throat> I haven't read Ultimates number one yet, but I hear uh, it's not that great. Yeah, so. I've, I've heard some things. Yeah. All right, you're up with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, huh? We're going to review this I book. I am. Huh? Um, yes, because Venom is part of the team now. Um, yeah. Now, this one was written by uh, Bendis. It's got artwork in it by Nick Bradshaw, Jason Masters, and Todd Nock. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's two backstories that are written by um, uh, uh, Dan Abnett. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> there, let me see. The first one, it, it takes place on Groot's home world. We're literally – all the dialogue is I am Groot. Um, yeah, that, that Groot story was awesome. I liked that one. Did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. You didn't care for it? Nah. 
not so much. He, he protects squirrels. No, I, <laughs> I get that. It, I get that. It explains his love of uh, Rocket. They should just be friends. That should explain his love for Rocket. Okay. Go ahead. Anyway, um, and, uh, Phil Jimenez did the artwork on that. And the second one uh, is uh, the artwork's done by uh, Gerardo was it Sandoval. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so last issue, Guardians of the Galaxy – was the last part of that trial of Jean Grey crap, which I didn't buy. And the Guardians don't even hardly have shit to do in it, right? Yeah. So then suddenly, you know, we get we go to this month, Guardians of the Galaxy 14. We get the, the story so far page, right, that m- almost every Marvel book has now because they can throw an extra ad into the book somewhere for it. You know, there's one page on that, and on the other side, connected mm-hmm. to that page is an ad somewhere. And and so this page says, <clears throat> and the Avengers decided that they needed a liaison, so they sent Venom to join the Guardians. I was I was a little distracted by that too. I'm like, when did this happen? That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, okay, when was this? Was this was this in one of the eight trillion Avengers books that comes out every month? I get those eight trillion books. It never happened. Okay, in because I don't know. Then I don't know where the hell this happened because it didn't happen last month. Yeah. And when stuff happens off panel. That's mm-hmm. bullshit like that. Yeah. I'm sorry. It just is. Yeah. I was a bit upset by that. Where also. Did, I mean, show us that. Yeah. Like, don't just throw him on the team. Oh, he's here now because the Avengers say so. Well, no. I want to see the reasoning behind that. I mean, he's off on a mission. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't in issue 13 at all. And the Avengers sent him out because the last I'd heard of him, he was leaving the Thunderbolts. Yep. But it's the Avengers that assigned him to space. What? He was part of the Secret Avengers, and that that team kind of disbanded. It's a it's a shield run operation. It by, but it's still being. I bet it's still coming out. Yeah, it's still coming out. <laughs> the, the team he was on, they they didn't wipe their brains. I read I read Secret Avengers, but man, oh god. But no, the last we saw Flash Venom, he just took on the Thunderbolts and uh, tried to whoop their asses yeah. before he got off the team. Yeah. And we reviewed it last month on Saturday. Yeah, with the Red Hulks and the Green Hulks and the yeah, and the, and the magical colors yeah. and the blue She Hulk and the green and red yeah. She Hulks. Yeah, and the red and the Red Skull Punisher. Right, <laughs> you hated that. The Red Skull oh, Punisher. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. so yeah, I mean, we don't know. We we're not seeing the scene where he actually arrives and meets everybody. So cut to him hanging out with uh, so the, yeah, Drax. See Drax. him and Drax at an alien yeah. world bazaar. Looking for guns, which I can appreciate. As a Texan, I can appreciate going gun shopping. Sounds like a Marvel Universe joke. So Drax and Venom walk into walk a bar. Walk into a bar. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Except that it's not a bar. It's, it's a gun store. Oh, yeah. It's a giant gun store. But, but aside from that, yes, your analogy is dead yeah. on. Well, you have the Drax and Venom walking into bar. I mean, that, that story writes itself right there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so we don't know... This is the first we're seeing a Venom on the team, and he and he and and um, Drax. Drax are going gun shopping, and uh, the the aliens. I guess everyone else, everywhere else in space, everyone else in space can spot a symbiote. <laughs> they they know that. I, I guess maybe the big clue is like if it looks like your clothes are they don't look natural. <laughs> Like you know, because yeah. you got Flash in the in the symbiote suit, 
but it, it's exposing his face, and I think there's like little line, you know, like points or whatever on it. It doesn't look natural. Maybe that's the big giveaway. Hey, you're wearing an alien parasite. Right. And God forbid, everyone else in space apparently has a big prejudice against that. Like, we can't be diverse. <laughs> God, no, they they hate symbiotes and gun shops in space. I can't walk into a gun store wearing a giant parasite. <laughs> That's discrimination. Oh, it is discrimination. <laughs> anyway, so he's like, you know, we don't serve your kind in here. And I'm wearing, you know, it's like Moss Eisley all over again. Yeah. And Drax, around every corner, Drax is telling Flash, look, we're going to get you a new piece, and by the way, I need you to shut up and not say a word. Which means Flash talks at every goddamn opportunity. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, Flash's role here is a fish out of water. Yeah. You know, it's a stranger in a strange land. It's it's a guy who's blown away by the fact that he's not on Earth and there's aliens everywhere, despite the fact that he's wearing an alien on his body and has been for years. Who would have thought the bully in Amazing Fantasy 15 would someday <laughs> be in space in an alien suit buying guns? You know, it's <laughs> – I know, and here's the thing. I mean, you know, recently, Brad, uh, you know, we've been talking yeah. a lot about Norman mm-hmm. uh, because, we, you know, on the main show, you know, we've been covering, you know, Superior and Goblin Nation and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I went back to, you know, think, because I've said over there, I'm like, if this winds up being Norman, I'm going to be pissed because a lot of the dialogue is cackling jackass dialogue, and it's not something Norman should be doing. And I went back to things that that were good examples of how I thought Norman should talk, and I went back to some of the, remember Jenkins stories in uh, PPSM? Right. Um, <clears throat> and I'm going back to reading some of those, including the one where he had, where Flash was brain damaged. Yeah, I you know, remember that. And uh, well, you're pouring. Is that a refreshing beverage? I, oh, did you hear my dew pour? Yeah, I'm so sorry. Uh, the the dew, all this gun talk made my dew low. Yeah. <laughs> now it made me thirsty again. I'm out of tea. Yeah. <clears throat> By the way, if you're listening to this show in your car or your home, pour yourself a cold dew beverage. The, the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is not brought to you by PepsiCo or Mountain Dew products. No. However, we recommend them. We, you do. <laughs> We do them, but we don't. I, you know, I rec- used to drink a ton of Pepsi, and then I can't touch the stuff. Why, dude? I don't know. I, my, my stepdad was a big Pepsi guy, and and yeah. he used to actually collect Pepsi memorabilia. Mm. That's different. Everybody collects Coke stuff. I know. It's nice, and, nice to hear of a Pepsi collector. And, and I mean, for like his whole life, he was mm-hmm. a big Pepsi guy. And then suddenly, one day, we just all stopped drinking Pepsi. Mm. It was like a group think. We didn't even discuss it. It just stopped. Huh. And then we never wanted to drink Pepsi again. That's weird. I switched to Diet Coke. I switched to Diet – well, between then I had a I had a two-year affair with Fanta, but I shouldn't <laughs> have had to put some put some pounds on me. Let me tell you that. Fanta's orange, isn't it's it? The, no, it's, it, they got all kinds of colors. It's the Fantana is what did it to me. Okay. Remember those singing, Fanta, Fanta, don't you want that Fanta, Fanta, don't you want the, fan, the, the Fantanas? I'm asking you as a friend. What? Never do that again. <laughs> right. That's fair enough. But remember when they were singing to the dude in the hospital cast? I do not. You I look be- hot in all that plaster. Drink the Fanta faster, faster. Fanta, Fanta. We're, we're off the train again. Let's go yeah, back to the, bu- gun, the gun shop with Meanwhile, the symbiote. Meanwhile, space, 
at the gun shop the gun, and the symbiote the and, the, and the racist gun sailor. So, so you know, Seller. they're having to trade in Flash's Earth weapons, and the gun dealer's like, oh, are these Earth weapons? The, why don't you go down to the kid's store? Now, that was a pretty funny line. That was a funny line, that. because in space, yeah, I'm... I'm we got bigger guns. I have an AR-15 and a 9 millimeter, and I'm pretty sure they're going to laugh that off on uh, Gun World or wherever the hell it is that they are. <laughs> you know, out in space. You know, they're working with you know neutron blasters and shit. And I've got you know, you guys carry a 9 millimeter. You guys have federal. Over on, over on Titan, this is called a BB gun, son. Yeah, over on Titan, <laughs> this is what we you know. We don't even target shit with this. Get out of my store. <laughs> but Drax finally gets Flash some weapons. So Flash is feeling like a badass all of a sudden, you know. He's like, "Yeah, let's get some target practice in here. I want to shoot something." And he's like, "Dude, you're surrounded by civilians. <laughs> you are not in a target-rich environment. This, these are these are people working, right? You know, buying, exchanging money for goods and services. You, you're not, you know, you're not on the Death Star. Why don't you take it down a level, Hoss? You know. <laughs> but then yep. other aliens come and <laughs> kidnap Drax." And blast Flash with some kind of electricity bomb that rips the symbiote off of him. So suddenly, he's not just a stranger in a strange land, and he's freaking out because he's on an alien planet. He's suddenly the Earth guy with no legs, Yeah. very briefly, who can't do anything to save the guy who just got him a, a really nice new piece. <laughs> you know, the symbiote eventually does get back on him. He starts shooting at the ships, but, I mean, you know, they kidnap Drax, and we find out overall... What's happening is Peter Quill's dad, you know, Star-Lord's dad, who turns out to be, the, you know, some sort of galactic emperor, is settling all the family business and has had the entire team rounded up and kidnapped or captured right. because he kidnapped Star-Lord. Except for Angela. I didn't see Angela anywhere. I think that's on purpose. Okay. I think, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think the reaction to Angela was not what they thought it was going to be. I like Angela. You, who else? My, you and who else? No, me and 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 uh, <laughs> explain to me why you like Angela. <clears throat> well, she's hot. Okay, aside and from she's hot and she has giant breasts and she's you know a badass well, chick who has a who's a sword, huh? What? You summed it up. No, I'm just kidding. No, she's just a badass. I think she's uh, she's cool. What about she's, the character appeals to you? Uh, she she's kind of quiet and she reminds me a bit of Michonne in space from Walking Dead. She just shows up, kicks ass, and says minimally, minimal things. You know, uh, don't, we already have that in the story. That didn't make her redundant. We already Gamora is already like Gamora. Yeah, didn't that make Angela yeah. redundant? Well, I, she's Angela was put in because they needed something to do with Angela to to thumb their noses at Todd McFarlane. <laughs> Literally, that's that's the only reason. I remember remember when the news broke. That Marvel had gotten the rights to Marvel Man slash Miracle Man slash what the hell ever. Yeah. The, you had every news site just blowing that up like it was the biggest news of all time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you had a collective yawn from fandom. <laughs> from everywhere except maybe people in England or people who read Bleeding Cool. Everyone else <laughs> was like, oh, okay, what? Yeah. And they're like, I don't know. I don't get this. Wasn't he an agent of Atlas? I don't know. It was like the century. What are you doing? I don't know. <coughs> What's happening in Spider-Man? You know, that's what people want to know. Right. So there was – it felt like there was a big yawn over all this Marvel Man, Miracle Man crap and over Angela. Mm-hmm. And people are just like, 
why are we dealing with Angela? Why is Angela even going to be in there if she's not even going to be in the movie? Right now, you know, they should be setting things up. How do you know she's not in the movie? <coughs> Brad. She may be in the movie. We don't know. Anyway, let's go. Let's go back. To any anything else? Flash does. I know this is Spider-Man. No, show. I mean let's Flash gets his ass whooped and lets Venom get dragged off into space. You you always tell me you're like no, just bottom line it for me. What what, what Bo- is the bottom bottom line the spider people on that bottom one? Line, what does the Spider-Man? What does Venom do? What does what does Kane do? Ex- exactly. We aren't even hitting new warriors. We didn't have a new issue this month. Did no, we? thank Christ. No, all that. <laughs> Say what does Venom do? He's a fish out of water. He's a stranger in a strange land. He's he's got an alien on him, yet he's awed that he's surrounded by aliens. And then he gets his ass kicked by aliens who kidnap Drax. That's it. What's your grade on that one? Okay. It's an average story that sets other crap up. There you go. And that's that's half of what Bendis does is set other crap up. I've got the last two books, don't I? Yes, you do. Uh, Deadpool versus Carnage, uh, number one and two. We're going to combine the two reviews because... I can. Uh, (laughs) Let me set the story up. Basically, Carnage is traveling the country, and he stops at a diner. uh, Does he still have the coat of tongues, or did he get rid of that? I do not see any tongues on this coat. Mr. Bun has not put any coats of tongue on Venom. (laughs) And uh, he stops at Eslo uh, on the Kansas state line at the Bun truck stop. Which I like Cullen Bun, but I don't know why you would name it the Bun Truck Stop. That just might give yeah, you. That's where you stop and get your buns. Get your buns. Yeah, that's kind of odd. Anyway, uh, basically, this guy is reading the newspaper and, he, and it says Carnage is on the loose, and the guy just start. Oh, he's a police officer, and he he basically starts bad mouthing Carnage, and and he was like, man, I don't know why they don't arrest that guy. He's just a loser, etc. And it just so happens that Cletus Cassidy is eating a burger right beside him. And he takes uh, the symbiote and, and shoves a big old stake through his head. And who ordered the bacon is what Carnage yells in the middle of the diner. And uh, some tough guys are uh, say, you picked the wrong place to do that today, asshat. <laughs> By the way, on the front, it says parental advisory. This shit's not for kids. Actually, it, it says this shit's shit. not for kids right there, right there on the cover. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's a Marvel anyway, book. It wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if it did. <laughs> so um, Carnage basically slaughters everyone in the diner: kids, parents, uh, bacon makers. So basically, so basically, Carnage now is basically Evil Ed from Chaos Comics. I guess I don't know who Evil Ed is. Is he having an affair with Lady Death too? Oh, that Evil Ernie, you mean? Yes. What did I evil say? Ernie. Evil Ed. Evil Ed. Yeah. Evil because uh, Evil Ed is. Bullet <laughs> is from Fright Night. He, he's the guy uh, Goblin Harry remind, reminds me of in Spider-Man. So Carnage destroys or slaughters a whole diner, and then the news descends on the diner in Car uh, in not Car uh, uh, Kansas. And Deadpool is chilling out in his pad in uh, New York City. He's got the television on, and he's eating a bowl of uh, looks like Captain Crunch, a cookie crisp. Yeah, he's all eating right. fourteen bowls of cookie crisp. Because <laughs> he wants Amazing 252. You have to listen to Fight Club to understand this. Uh, <laughs> so he's he's chomping on his cereal. He's like, ah, hell, I don't want to see this. And so um, every channel that he switches to, because, uh, it, it, you know, Deadpool's crazy. So he thinks he sees signs in this. So he switches the channel, and he, it says, the killer is. And he switches the channel. 
not acting. He switches the channel randomly, switches the channel as he believes. Ride the wave of insanity, and you can be the first to find him, boy. So every channel he switches to basically says it's up to you to go find Carnage. And that is enough to get him out of his apartment and go try to track down uh, Carnage. And so he was like, hello, world, give me a sign, give me a sign. And he eventually uh, tracks down Carnage, who is outside Tulsa, Oklahoma. And cut to a shot of Cletus Cassidy in his tidy whities with no scar marks at all. You see the full body I shot. Thought he was, I thought he was dead again or whatever. Well, he, remember, Sentry ripped him in half, put him in space. They sewed him back together. The last I'd heard, you said he died. He did, but he's still in the body. But he got better. He got better, and he got a new body, evidently. I don't understand this. I'm just overthinking shit. So anyway, um, he's at, Cletus is out on his front porch, and he's like, ah, I just love the fresh stink of shattered dreams and ruined lives. And all of a sudden, a big old uh, rocket comes by and blows up Cletus Cassie's house. And uh, Deadpool says, oh, yeah, 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 bullseye, that, that'll pucker your uh, tentacle little sphincter, won't it, carnage, old chum? I thought that line was pretty good. Now time for the cleanup. So he goes down and he shoots carnage, and, and it's basically Bugs and Daffy fighting. It's, it's, it looks exactly like a Looney Tunes fight. Car, uh, Deadpool shoves a grenade up his mouth, he blows up. And then all of a sudden, uh, he's ready to chop his Carnage's head off and shriek. And the last page ends with uh, Shriek. Remember from Maximum Carnage? Mm-hmm. Comes out of nowhere and uh, blows off the mask of Deadpool. And uh, so the two of them are about to jump and kill Carnage. I mean, uh, kill Deadpool. Okay. Uh, so basically. Deadpool gets out of the fight. He he hooks up a giant Walkman, by the way, and tries to blow the sound, use the sound to uh, peel the uh, suit off of him, but that doesn't really work. But uh, the two eventually separate, and then it's left up to uh, Deadpool to try to track down him again. And then you cut to him waking up in the middle of the field, and he goes to the Bun storage unit. Which I don't know if Bun is doing this, Cullen Bun is doing this, or the artist is doing it just to have fun with Bun. But every place we go, we have trucks. I mean, you had the Bun's truck stop, and now you got the Bun storage, which just is just odd. Well, I mean, you know, it's just got to figure. You know, these small towns, everybody owns everything. You know, everybody's got some Buns. Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, Deadpool knocks his costume is shredded. And he knocks on the front door, and he's like, I, I need to get into my unit. I need to get my uh, guns and stuff to go blow up uh, uh, Carnage. And he was like, well, you, the lady was like, well, you didn't pay your bill, uh, so we sold your shit. And he was like, no, who'd you sell it to? So he tracks down the guy who bought his stuff in his safe house. And then the guy opens the door, and it's like a five, 600-pound dude with a very tight Deadpool costume on. He's like, Deadpool, finally, I've been waiting for you. I knew it. I knew we'd fight each other. He's like, who the hell are you, dude? I'm the biggest Deadpool fan you'll ever meet. Uh, I only knew of you last week. I, I just thought that was weird. But anyway, this character, who I really, I really don't understand at all. I don't know if he has a mutant power or something, but he can pr- see patterns. 
and he sees signs, and he's like, I, I can tell you where Carnage is going to be. So then cut to Carnage and Shriek driving down the highway, and um, they're like, hey, baby, we're fine. And in the back seat of Carnage's uh, convertible, a CB unit is hooked up randomly. It's just out of nowhere. And it says, uh, Breaker, Breaker, can I get a come on back from the hick? with an alien symbiote. Come on back, Carnage. Which made me think instantly of Smoking the Bandit. So, uh, I'm right here with you, so why don't you just pull over and let's talk this out like a couple gentlemen. And Cletus is like, what the hell, where is he? And then you cut to a giant scene of Deadpool with one of those uh, combines, the tractors that they use uh, in the in, on farms to uh, bale hay, etc. So he chops up Carnage's uh, convertible, Shriek hits her head, bloodies it up, Carnage is pissed, uh, and then Carnage transforms into the symbiote, hops out, and uh, pulls Deadpool out of the combine and says, let's do this thing, Carnage versus Deadpool, round two. And Deadpool says, I think you mean Deadpool versus Carnage. I want top billing. So, um... The pros, the art, uh, the art is very good by Mr., let me read it, uh, Salva Espen. I've never heard of his stuff, but it's very clean, very attractive looking art, with the exception of all the bun references. Uh, <laughs> the humor, I thought uh, they nailed uh, Deadpool's humor pretty good. He's insane, he's Bugs Bunny with a mask. Uh, Carnage is a sick bastard, they nailed his voice, they have ver- the uh, bun... Uh, nailed the voices, and they felt right how sick Carnage is and how mentally disabled, uh, upset uh, Deadpool is. The cons, Carnage in his tidy whities was a very scary shot, and why was there no scar? The the fanboy in me was upset about that. Also, I'm very confused about this fanboy that bought out uh, Deadpool's Storage locker. That was a random. <laughs> Where did this come from? No idea. Uh, both issues get a B out of me. Uh, it's not a bad bad pickup if you're a fan of Carnage and Deadpool. That's the Spire Satellites. Thoughts, George? Wow. Um, Team Up was the best book, like I said. How much did you pay for those Carnage Deadpool things? Uh, Three ninety nine each. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I got a discount, like two and a half bucks uh, is what I probably paid for them. Oh, that's uh, not too bad. Oh, my God. I like Deadpool and I like Carnage. I like to see where Carnage shows up. So, (laughs) evidently, he's in a hick town in Kansas. I like like Deadpool, but I don't know, man. Carnage is... No, you 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 know me me doing the synopsis of it didn't make you want to hop out and buy it. Why is he in something in... It seems like every month there is Carnage something. Mm. Or is it me? It seems like there's carnage somewhere every month. He sells. He sells. Because the 90s... Uh, he's the new Venom, and he's not even alive. Well, <laughs> he he's kind of alive. I don't know how he's alive, but uh, his his belly's better. <laughs> I guess. Oh, my God. I know. I so you, from my books, you're not wanting to pick up the Deadpool Carnage Mini, and you're not wanting to pick up that $25 graphic novel. I would literally buy nothing you reviewed. <laughs> I have, I'm, I'm definitely never going to buy an issue of you know, freaking Ultimate, Ultimate. Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, there's no way in hell I'm paying $25 for a confusing graphic novel. 
with a, a, a cave full of Nazi gold. Yeah. <laughs> with a sentinel. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Carnage, no. I love no. Deadpool, but no. Okay, George, time to tackle some cartoon reviews. One from season one and one from season two. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Spider friends, go for it. Wait a minute. No, that's wrong. Wrong show. <laughs> Crossbase pals, go for it. Ultimate Crossbase pals. Why? No. Combine. Why are we ultimate? No. Because this show's ultimate. No. Yeah. No. Okay, then. These right. are Crossbase pals. Okay. I'm just so offended by it. <laughs> I know. You're like, I'm dropping the mic. I'm taking my wedding present and going home. Yeah, get your toaster and get the uh, hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is uh, Season 1, Episode 10. This is Freaky. Oh, yeah, Freaky Dicky. Directed by Jell Allen, like Jell-O, but without the O, Allen. J-E-L-L-O. Okay. And, uh, and someone named Brian Bendis, who I haven't heard of. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if you remember, when we started reviewing these, uh, we started – in the second season, because the second season was still going. Right. So we actually reviewed a, an episode where Hulk and Spider-Man, from season two, where Hulk and Spider-Man switch bodies. Uh, mm-hmm. When when Mesmero <coughs> kind of puts a whammy on them. Well, that was sort of the sequel to the episode that we're about to talk about. Because Spider-Man likes to switch bodies and brains with people. He's done with Doc Ock. I, would, I, would, Hulk. I wouldn't say like... It, it's a common storyline. It's Freaky Friday. It is Freaky Friday, which is why the episode is called Freaky. There you go. They just didn't want to date it. Yeah. So here, yeah, the episode starts off with Mesmero uh, robbing a bank. He's mind controlled a crowd to sort of act like his minions, and he's mind controlled um, a uh, uh, truck crew. I forgot if it was like an. I think it's like an armored car. Mm-hmm. And you know, so he's mind controlled, like the driver and the security person. I don't know. I don't. Who, there's always two people in an armored car. There's a driver, and what's the other guy? The other guy's like security, is what so, I'm so is he literally yeah. shotgun? <laughs> Did you set me up for that? That was pretty good. Well, no, I didn't set you up for that. I'm, I, I'm genuinely curious. What they call maybe it? that's where the term shotgun came from. Hmm. Maybe the security guy of an armored car is the shotgun. I think, I think it goes back to stagecoach. I think we're onto something here. You know, because a stagecoach used to transport money. Not people, yeah. but money. Okay, then. And so, you know, you're not holding reins. You better be shooting a gun. Okay. Because, you know, you got Indians, you got bandits. Shotgun. You got, you yeah. Got that's the tax that's, man. That's got, <laughs> that's got to be where it came from. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> Mesmero's got all those people. Okay. And he's mind controlled them into helping him rob the bank. They basically he basically has these people load the truck up for him. And he's gonna just drive away with all this cash, but Spider Man shows up. Spider Man shows up and is like, Hey, Mesmero, not so fast. You know, I I'm Spider Man and I'm going to stop you. At which point Mesmero causes the crowd to rush Spider Man like a bunch of zombies. <laughs> and rather than use his agility to get away, he is overwhelmed by the crowd. <laughs> Which I didn't understand. I was like, why aren't you jumping? Why don't you jump out of there, kid? Yeah. yeah. But he eventually manages to crawl over to a bus and get his hand up on it so he can web himself up. You know. Yeah, cause comics. Or because, cause, cause cartoons. Comics, because cartoons, right. 
Yeah. And uh, and then and then Wolverine shows up. Wolverine jumps literally out of nowhere onto the bus and is like, "Oh, hey, I'm Wolverine. I'll be co-starring in your episode today." Yeah. Uh, and he's like, "What did you do to these people?" And Spider-Man's like, "What? Uh, yeah, because I'm because Spider-Man and one of my powers is I cause people to just lose their damn minds." <laughs> have you done your homework? Do they not have me on file at the Xavier Academy? I can make that happen. Right. I can send. I can send you a, a fact packet. I can send you some literature. A fact packet or yeah. something. A hot pocket. I'll send you a hot. Pocket. I'll send you a hot pocket. So. <laughs> so then Wolverine, hot pocket. So then Wolverine sees Mesmero, kind of puts two and two together, and he's like, okay, so. <laughs> He actually turns a fire hydrant on the crowd. Like Wolverine slices the top off the fire hydrant and you know hits the crowd with water to try to snap him out of it. He made it rain. He made it rain, and then he goes after Mesmero <laughs> while the crowd, who's no longer mind controlled, gets mad at Spider-Man and blames everything on him. Yeah. Um, eventually, S.H.I.E.L.D. arrives. Uh, Mesmero is apprehended. Um You've got Wolverine and Spider-Man talking to Nick Fury, and Wolverine and Spider-Man, they don't like each other. You know, to Wolverine, Spider-Man is a digital hipster, you know, and to and to Spider-Man, Wolverine is, is just a grumpy old man who, who smells. <laughs> and I don't get the smell thing. Like like the Why? whole time, Spider Man's saying, you know, Wolverine stinks. Wolverine, don't you know? You you, you have to. Well, well he, he's kind of a hairy guy, you know. You know what, hairy uh, doesn't mean you stink. Well, hair tends to trap and sweat. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you stink. Well, I know, but if you're as active as, are we really having a bo conversation yes, right now? Yes, we are, because like you know that never comes up in the X Men movies. Or in the X-Men okay. books. You know, people don't say – Kitty Pride doesn't sit next to Wolverine and say, Jesus, you smell like a wet yak. <laughs> She's like, oh, hey, Logan. How's it going? Let's talk. You know, you wet yak, your, yeah. here and watch TV. She doesn't go, oh, my God, you smell like a can of sardines. Um, you you got to admit, though, if you're as active as Wolverine is, you do, he probably doesn't always have time to go freshen up. You know, it puts a little deodorant under. He's probably just well, so does Spider Man. Spider Man's active all all the damn time too. Then he stinks. I bet you superheroes in general stink. Oh my god! <laughs> what are we on? I bet you know <laughs> Submariner. No, because he's in the ocean all the time. Yeah, Submariner probably doesn't stink. He smells ocean fresh twenty four seven. Is there a uh, poison ivy? Probably doesn't stink. No, you know, she's no poison she's ivy. Probably, probably smells good. Um, uh, Spider Woman probably smells good because she's got pheromone powers. She's got pheromones. Yeah, very good. <laughs> well, what a nice little tangent we got about on that one. That was pretty good. <laughs> no, I, I was like, why? Why does Wolverine have to stink? Probably all superheroes stink. That's. Probably, I mean, think of how know, different. People would look at the Hugh Jackman Wolverine in those movies if every other character in the book was like, Wolverine, Christ Jesus, take a shower. <laughs> you know? You smell like a dead cow. Would it, would it kill you to go hop in a shower once a week? You know, I went, I went to the, uh, the Chicago Comic Con a few years ago, and I noticed that they were peddling uh, Avengers uh, uh, perfume. Pet? And, you ought to be giving it away for free at a convention. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it, it was they were spraying people. That sounds bad. They should be uh, spraying, but they should be crop dusting the convention with fragrances <laughs> because they do. If, but, if anyone I, listening has never been to a convention, 
No, they stink, dude. Yeah, there is some stink, and not only that, but typically yeah. whoever is running the event is too cheap to pay for AC. <laughs> so, so it with that many people in that enclosed of a space, it gets humid and hot pretty quick. Yeah, there. Um, the the Avengers set that I was looking at, I just pulled it up online. There, there's a four pack of uh, four heroic men's colognes from the Avengers. Oh There's God. the Mark IV. Now, this is different from the Stanley cologne, right? Yeah, that, that one's Stan called... Lee, Stan has his own scent. Yeah. <laughs> the Avengers one, there's the Mark IV scent. You too could smell like a rich 91-year-old man. Uh, there's the Patriot scent. There's the Smash scent. Oh. And then there's the worthy scent. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you want to be the worthy? Oh, lift up the hammer. I'm definitely worthy. Talking to women about my hammer. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to buy the uh, the Avengers clone set, it's going for sixty dollars. Anyway, nice little uh, scent thing. We went off on a tangent there, but go ahead. The George. audience hates us. No, they like the stuff. No. They even said so on the front page. I saw I, it. I love it when you and George go off script. Because <laughs> oh, you and I can't predict that we're going to talk about body odor. We segue pretty. Well, I mean, it's it's always spurred by something. We don't just arbitrarily start talking about something. Yeah, yeah. Something right. sparks something else, and, and, and we, we seize on that moment. Exactly. And when uh, we'll do another 300 episodes, and we'll never talk about body odor again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. unless the internet discovers scratch and sniff, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. Go ahead. Where were we? Wolverine stinks. Go yeah. Ahead. So he's like, you know, Wolverine. You're an old grumpy old man, and you stink. And Wolverine's like, you're a digital hipster. You read your comics on an iPad. <laughs> you know, it's just it's old generation versus you know it's old school versus new school. They're not just not going to get along. Right. Anyway, so Mesmero's watching all of this with sadistic glee, and he does, you know, his little mind whammy, you know, where his eyes turn into whirlpools and everything. We are Siamese, if you please, kind of like that. No, nothing at all like that. It's not at all okay. like your, like like Lady, Lady the, the Tramp. Tramp. Yeah, it's yeah. not like that at all. <laughs> you degenerate Philistine. It's nothing like that. Listen here. So, <laughs> why? Where did that come from? Well, I, I always thought of how the Siamese cats try to, or or also in Jungle Book. Remember the snake? Hold still, please. Yeah. What, what, you mean, yeah. Ka, trust in me. Trust S- in me. Snakes have a thing of trying to hypnotize people. Siamese yeah. cats, not so much. <laughs> you're a weirdo. Oh, I you're know. Just, you're just the most just weirdest guy I, I know. I, I think I'm going to edit this out. Probably. And, and, and the podcast picture will be a middle finger. Hold up a sign that says, "Hey George, go f yourself." <laughs> Tonight on Spouse Alliance, go f yourself. Reviews by George. Right? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so Wolverine, so he does a, like a time delay whammy. It doesn't take effect immediately. It hits Wolverine and Spider Man the next day in the afternoon, which I didn't understand. Now I'm not the world's authority on mental powers. <laughs> but I I don't know that Mesmero's ever caused a time delay. Is there a basis for this? How does that work? When you swap brains, time has to pass for it to take Not effect. brains, but minds. Minds, minds. How does that work? How does the time delay? No, it doesn't take it because he does it with the Hulk and Spider-Man instantly. Yeah. It doesn't take any time. He puts it on a time delay. He's got a timer on it. it it's, it's a timed thing because they both – he, Peter, you see Peter the next day starting to lose it. You know, he's starting to get groggy in class. You know, 
Like maybe he needs some orange juice or something. Right. And then suddenly, bam, he's Wolverine. Yeah, the body odor starts to slip, yeah. Yeah, and then suddenly Peter wakes up on Wolverine's body. He's in a seedy motel. There's a dead hooker in bed. No, I'm not. <laughs> but he does it. Yeah. Schnick, schnick. Yeah. He wakes up. He wakes up in a seedy hotel. Literally a seedy hotel. You know, like he can't drive back to X Men's. You know, mansion. He's gonna. He's gonna stay overnight in New York, and he's gonna do it on the cheap. He's gonna do it in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. So he wakes up and immediately starts stabbing everything because he's freaking out. Wolverine immediately starts acting like a complete prick. <laughs> you know, so you've got him embarrassing himself as Peter at high school, to, uh, going so far as to hit on Mary Jane, which was a little creepy. Yeah, because Wolverine's like well, 100 and she's like 16. Yeah, yeah, and he's so he's hitting on a high school chick. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you are not Wooderson from uh, Dazed and Confused. You're significantly older. Well, it was creepy when he did that in uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Man or whatever the book was where he was in the Avengers Mansion. And Wolverine was hitting on Mary Jane when they were held up At there. At least he's an adult. Yeah, that's true. So is he's she. He's not in high school. Yeah. Anyway, that was a little creepy. That was a little weird. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, like Wolverine's waiting at the high school for the, for the bell to ring. You know? Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um. So right is you know you've got you got Spider-Man and Wolverine's body you got you know freaking out not really knowing what the hell's going on he, he's calling Wolverine on his cell phone and saying look you know please don't be a jackass I'll come there and then suddenly Sabretooth attacks Sabretooth <laughs> has tracked Wolverine down to the CD hotel and busts in and starts you know going after Spidey who's freaking out Mm-hmm. You know, and Wolverine's freaking out on the other end of the phone, saying, "Oh Christ, it's Sabretooth," <laughs> which leads to some fairly funny moments where Spider-Man's running around on, on the phone trying to talk to Wolverine while Sabretooth's trying to get him. And at one point, he even stabs himself because <laughs> he doesn't know how to use the claws. Right. He winds up. He, he does this repeatedly throughout the episode. He winds up stabbing his own body. And then they flash to a little cut screen of you know of technical difficulties. Please stand by, and it's the little spider chibi. Yeah, you know, the cher- that you love. You know, the, not not a cherub, but a chibi, mm-hmm. covered in tape. And, you know, and you've got the old school, you know, off you know air, you know, placard. Right. So um, anyway, he's he finally gets over to the, or or Peter and Wolverine's body gets back over to the high school. And, you know, so then Peter, or Wolverine of Peter's body comes out and is like, well, where's Sabretooth? And he's like, don't worry, I, I shook him. <laughs> In which Wolverine's like, dude, jackass, he's got my sense of smell. Yeah. You didn't track him, you let him right here, and then sure enough, Sabretooth attacks them both. Now, Wolverine's trying to fight in Peter's body, and the entire time, Peter and Wolverine's body is like, dude, please, please put your costume on. <laughs> Please do not blow this for me. I'd hate for Mary Jane to know that I'm Spider-Man and think I'm even cooler than I actually am. You know, he didn't say that, but I was thinking it. Right. <laughs> you know, and and so finally, you know, Peter's running around trying to stay alive from from Sabretooth. Wolverine goes and changes, and then they wind up fighting him together because they they don't know their powers. I mean, they're both mm-hmm. experienced crime fighters, but you know, you take. You take Superman and put him in Batman's body, he's not, not going to know what the hell to do. 
Right. He doesn't know 47 martial arts the way Batman does. You know? So it's mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's like these guys are both seasoned pros, but you, you just put them in different – you gave them different power sets and bodies mm-hmm. they're not familiar with. At one point, Wolverine uses his web shooter, webs up to like a highway overpass and then <laughs> – and swings and then just stays there. <laughs> on the line, just kind of swinging back and forth because he doesn't realize that he needs to swing away with the other one. Right. But eventually he finds uh, Peter Veen. I guess that's how you say Wolverine. Or Peter. Peter Veen, wow. Well, you know, and uh, throws in the other web shooter. So they both use web shooters and then they both use their fist to take uh, Sabretooth out. And then uh, at the end, you know, the, they go to the Shield Helicarrier. Where they keep all the super criminals, you know, because putting them on a giant helicopter, that's the thing to do. <laughs> and uh, Nick Fury makes uh, Mesmero, you know, whammy them back and, and change their bodies. Um, it gets a B. Uh, there's some funny gags. It's a fairly enjoyable fight, even though it's goofy and nothing's taken seriously. Um, but, yeah, Wolverine hitting on Mary Jane in high school was, yeah. was kind of pervy. You know, it's just a little, you know, it's a little, ugh, kind of creepy. And generally, the Freaky Friday story is fun. It, I mean, it's, it, it's it, fun it, once. Yeah. I, I guess it's going to be once a year now. <laughs> Who should he switch bodies with next? Doc Ock? Deadpool. Oh, there you go. That'd be terrifying. <laughs> All right, uh, season two. We're almost out of season two episodes, aren't we? We are. We're getting well. Yeah, but then we'll just go right to the front of season two because we didn't yeah. do because we came in kind of late on season two or midway, and we right. didn't do the earlier episodes of season two. Okay. Um, so this is season two, episode twenty-four, Sandman Returns. Okay. Directed by Roy Burdine and written by Man of Action, which is actually four people, including Joe Kelly and Joe Casey, and uh, Danielle Wolf. Which means that Sandman has been around at some point. I believe he's actually in a season one episode. Um, so at the start of this episode, you have Cage, Luke Cage's parents. Remember uh, a few episodes back, uh, he found out his parents were alive, um, and now they're working for Shield. You know, they're scientists. They're both you know super smart, so they're working for Shield. Luke Cage's parents. Yes, his mom and pop. Okay. Okay. So Spider-Man is, is is visiting them in the lab, and they're trying to rehabilitate the awesome android, who they call Andy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Are you familiar with the awesome android? Yeah, from Fantastic Four. Right. Four. Right. And I think they called him. I remember him call, being called Andy, didn't he? More in in recent years, yes. Yeah. He, they've given him a little more of a personality. Okay. You know, in in recent years, um, like I think he's like I think he's like a Mets fan or something like that in the comic book. Anyway, I don't know, but in this, he's like a little tiny golem guy. He's like a little gremlin running around everywhere. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's in the lab. They use him to eat volatile things to dispose of them, which I don't know that that's smart, but that's you know whatever. Hey, whatever. I'm not the one with the PhD working for Shield. <laughs> you know, they don't pay me the big bucks to do that. But sure as shit, he eats some kind of compound or whatever, you know, and then starts, you know, belching fire <laughs> all over the lab to the point where they evacuate it because he accidentally releases Sandman. Who's They just keep Sandman in a glass in the lab. I'll repeat that. They keep Sandman 
Yeah. And a glass cylinder in the lab. Okay. <laughs> not into some sort of containment unit. You know, not behind some kind of wall of force or something. No, just in the, uh, basically a glass vial. <laughs> Easily broken because that's what happens here. And as soon as that's breached, Sandman slips out. Spider-Man's like, every scientist out of here. If you are not a superhero, get out of here and steal the room. Right. At which point, you know, Sandman escapes, and he puts the fire out. You know, he snuffs the fire. Because what do you do when you, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of places, you know, they don't have a fire extinguisher. What do they have? I don't know. They have a bucket of sand. Oh, okay. To, to smother the fire with. That actually. I've always, seen the, I've always seen the fire extinguishers, but okay. Uh, that's what you do when you're camping a lot of the time is you'll dump sand on top of the fire so you okay. don't waste water. So um, so then, you know, you find out that S.H.I.E.L.D. is trying to rehabilitate or rehabilitate Awesome Android, but they're also trying to rehabilitate um, Sandman. And Sandman here <laughs> sounds like he's in his early 20s, like he's in college. Yeah. Like he's older than Peter, and they make him a younger guy. And that was off-putting. Sandman hmm. needs to be this grizzled, man, life has shit me out twice. Right, he's like an ex-con, yeah. late, late 30s, early like 40s, I would time, think. time, yeah. hard time, you know? Right. But no, uh, here he's like, he's like a frat boy. He's like Flash Thompson with sand. Kind of. Yeah. So that was off-putting. I was like, I don't like young Sandman. Did we have to make the villain young, too? Everyone, everything's just got to be young. Yep, <coughs> young and fun. And Brad, you and I have pointed this out. You just you just interviewed two people, mm-hmm. you know, who played young adults when we were. Remember, we were kids. We could watch a Spider Man who was as old as a Spider Man in the comic, and we didn't ha- we didn't need Spider Man to be a teenager. Right, the Amazing Friends. Spider Man was uh, he was in, in college. college. Yeah, and that was fine for us. We could read a comic with an adult Spider Man. Yeah. We could read uh, or watch a cartoon. Where he's a college kid, which means he's an adult. He's a young adult. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, today he he has to be fifteen to relate. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Who knows? You know, so I just it, it's BS to me. Yeah. Or my off base. I don't know. It, you know what you like. I know what I like. <laughs> you know what you like. So Spider Man or so Sandman here is you know, you know some sort of you know fraternity guy. 20-year-old yeah, and, uh, but he wants to turn over a new leaf, and he has no bigger advocate than Spider-Man, which I like. I like the fact that Spider-Man is the one who's you know, talking to Nick Fury and saying, look, if you want to rehabilitate this guy let, me guy, let me try to help him. I'll take him out in the field. You don't need 200, goon, you know, 200 shield guys chasing him around waiting for him to screw up. Let me go out with him. He'll be more comfortable with me, and I want this to happen. I like it. And this is why I like when Sandman became a good guy in the comics, and I wish that that would have stuck. Yeah, because I, I, mid mid eighties or early eighties, he, he turned late eighties. Yeah, late eighties. Remember, we covered it on here when when he first met uh, Silver Sable. Remember, he he came in to help Spider Man against the uh, Sinister Syndicate. Uh, it was it was when he merged with Hydra Man. They came out of there and they went out teamed up with Ben Graham and two and yeah. one. So yeah. I, I like that though, because, and I like those kind of stories. If Spider-Man can have, you know, every now and then he's got somebody he rehabilitates or somebody he can actually 
flip over to you know to where they they've changed things around and, and they're working to make a difference instead of being a douche. Yeah, does Spider-Man have rehabilitated villains? Prowler. Yeah, Prowler just started. I mean, Prowler was never significantly bad. He just started off on the wrong foot. Yeah, but Spider-Man got him turned around pretty quick. You know, yeah. so but he need you. You need those little success stories. Peter's got to have a reason to keep going. He's got to yeah. have something in the back of his mind saying, "There's got to be something better for these people." You know, mm-hmm. if I can show them a better way, you know. And sure enough, you know, I mean, that's that happened with Sandman. I mean, he reverted, which is sad. He was more interesting when he was reformed. Basically, John Burns and Howard Mack here to blame to that one. Because when, remember when I, I used to love him in Silver Sable. Yeah, I did too. I, I enjoyed that. I book. liked him being a good guy. I mean, he was doing it yeah. for money, but at the same yeah. time, he was trying to do good stuff. He had, he had turned his life around. Heck, he was a reserve adventure for a while. He was, yeah. You know? Yeah. So anyway, just, just another tangent, I guess. <laughs> so they go out, and they wind up fighting Swarm. Or, I'm sorry, they wind up fighting Ultimate Swarm. Now, I don't know how Swarm was ever done. How Bendis ever did uh, swarm and those, and, and then they, I don't remember the Nazi covered in bees in and, the old. And then their ultimate funny books. Is he a Nazi covered in bees in this book? In this comic? I mean, no, hell, it's a TV show. He's not. Go he's ahead. not even a person. He's a bunch of <laughs> robot insects acting as in unison. Oh, who also happen to talk like a douchebag in his early twenties. <laughs> so the robots, okay. huh? Okay. <laughs> the robots talking in unison are a giant swarm. Like it's it's not just humanoid. He's literally a giant being made of okay. hundreds of thousands of tiny little robot insects that talk like James Spader from a mid-80s, <laughs> you know, Brett Easton Ellis movie. Yeah, that's funny. Like him in Less Than Zero. They're, they're James Spader from Less Than Zero but in the form of thousands of tiny robots. <laughs> Make of that what you will. All right. So anyway, um, at one point, you know, uh, he eats tech. And they put, you know, they, Sandman starts off in his classic outfit, but then they put that. Remember that jackassy second wave costume he had? Second wave remember costume. Remember his second costume where he had kind of like a weird crown and a weird kind of spiky collar looking th- it was bad i mean it okay it, you'd know it if you saw it i mean if okay. you probably blocked it out of your memory from just defense it, it, it's, <laughs> self def- it's self-defense yes probably and, well they put him in that thing and it's i mean it is a horrible horrible costume for sandman and um i've always liked the fact that he just wears the clothes he had when whatever it was happened to him you know which I'm trying to I'm trying to Google it just so I can okay. <laughs> find what you're talking about. Like I, I, around the time, like later on in his career, is the Frightful Four. I think you saw him more in the Fantastic Four with this costume than you did in Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Google. a bad, oh Lord have mercy. Yes, I remember this. He fought the Hulk in this one too. Yeah, I it's not a good look. It's a green look with it's like a mask over and there's like a green stripe over his head. Yeah, it's not good, man. Oh, oh, that's ugly. So they put him in that thing and that thing it turns out is a containment suit which stops him from going psycho. Just, I uh, just randomly 
going off a little bit, this is a scene uh, from uh, Fantastic Four. Evidently, maybe Kirby redesigned this. Uh, well, that's uh, one where Kirby got it wrong. And the text, the word balloon from this Fantastic Four issue, Sandman says, I took a fast refresher course in science and then designed a new costume for myself. After all, now that I'm the superior of the Fantastic Four, I might as well look the part. So even in the 60s, they were using the word superior with Spider-Man films oh when he's talking smack, smack to the uh, Fantastic Four in a Kirby issue. I don't so know the, yeah, they, so they put him in the superior Sandman costume. That's what we'll call that from now on. Superior Sandman costume. And it is a yeah, terrible look. It's bad, dude. So during the fight, um, Swarm, because Swarm can eat tech stuff and absorb it, like nanites, I guess. Remember that Next Generation episode where the nanites are eating the ship? Yes. Yes, yeah. I guess it's kind of like that. <laughs> um, so they start eating his soup, which is causing him excruciating pain. So Spider-Man, to try to help him, removes his suit so that Sandman won't feel pain, and then Sandman you know, is able to start pounding whole, you know, wholesale on Swarm, like literally beating him down. But then he also goes instantly psycho. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, my name is Sandman, not William. Oh, I'm going to crush Swarm. And then um, Spider-Man's like, dude, you, uh, you know, so they, they beat down Swarm. And then Spider-Man's like, dude, you, you know, you got to calm down. You're, you know, you're going back to Cray-Crayville here. Why don't you <laughs> dial it back a notch? Cray-Crayville, that's good. So he's like, yeah, you're right. You know, I'm, so, you know, I'm sorry. So later they go back out on patrol. And they wind up bumping into uh, Batrock the Leaper. <laughs> last scene in the Captain America movie. Yes. Did did you did you like how they did Batrock in that? Yeah, it was yeah, fine. I mean, he's barely in it, but yeah, he's fine. Yeah, I, I was just, he, he was leaping and and, and kicking. I just, I just wish they would have called him the Leaper. Yeah, Batrock. Yeah. You know, but anyway, we're giving him some kind of. Well, I guess you can't really give him a costume in that context. Yeah. I say that they're about to they're about to put a machine gun in a raccoon's hands. Yet I'm saying, well, maybe you can't put Bat Rock in a suit. You can't go too far with the French. Pen, I'm done you know? saying you can't do something. <laughs> you know, like in a, like in uh, never mind. We'll, we'll get into that later on. I was about to talk about something from the Spider Man movie. <clears throat> anyway, that's a whole different episode. Yeah. So, um. They they go out and they're facing Bat Rock, but then J. Jonah Jameson, you know, he's on those giant TV screens, which is all we ever see him on. And he starts yelling at, you know, Sandman and mocking Sandman. He's like, Spider-Man, who's this new loser you got running around working for you and everything? So Sandman finally loses his shit, you know, from J. Jonah Jameson and goes on a rampage, grows to a massive, I don't know, mighty, not King Kong, but mighty Joe Young size and starts smashing buildings. At which point the Spidey Super Team Shield Super Buddies show up, <coughs> you know, to to go after him. And by going after him, I mean crowd control. You know, making sure that people aren't crushed by falling debris and whatnot. Right. And then um, the Spider-Man finally beats Sandman with the help of Andy, the uh, the awesome android, by having Andy eating Sandman. He likes to eat the sand. To absorb him. And then he grows to a colossal size, and then he spits Sandman back into the containment suit so that, uh, you know, they can put Sandman back in jail or whatever. Um, It really fell apart there at the end. 
sounds like. Well, I mean, there were so many things to distract. You know, I mean, like the fact that both Sandman and Swarm both sound like, you know, college-age douchebags. Especially Swarm, since apparently he's just a bunch of robots. Yeah. You know, and I hate that, too. Why Why can't he be a Nazi skeleton? Why does he have to be robot? Seriously? I don't know, dude. I don't. I don't know why they make something. I, it took four people to write it. I didn't. I didn't it have took anything five to people it. to write it. It's man five, man. four people, and they had a, a chick with them. At, yeah, at, uh, Danielle Wolf. So review. Uh, this one gets. Uh, this one is also a B minus. It's an average episode that kind of fizzles out like a bad fart at the end. Good action sequences, but Sandman and Swarm, you know, being annoying twenty somethings is weird. And an awesome android is goofy, you know. I mean, runs around with a giant, happy face kind of smile. That's right. kind of unnerving. It's a little. It's not natural. Cool. So two 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 episodes B minuses, kind of average. Nothing really. If, if you don't see these, if you miss one of them, you're not missing. Them.